Before we start this podcast, I want to definitely remind you of a sponsor for Fresh of the Word, 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest. In a world of wrestling where there's hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads, don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. So if you'd like to discuss a possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or even Zubaz, then drop them a line at 20by20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20apparel.com. And also check out their enamel pin line. It's super cool. Fresh is the word. to the Fresh the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And like always, we have the freshest of guests for you. The guest for this episode is Kenny Keel, artist and author of the graphic novel, Smooth City, a story of four best friends as they try to make it through a crazy journey towards boy band stardom. As an ode to 90s R&B music, Smooth City not only grasped the joy from that special time of R&B music from the 90s, as hip-hop made its influence into the genre, but also shows the downfalls that happened during that journey, both personally and professionally. Equally comical and heartfelt, Smooth City is nostalgic, but with timeless themes. Kenny Kill is an artist and writer whose work crosses a spectrum of music, comics, and comedy, appearing everywhere from Mad Magazine, and comic books to Vibe Magazine and music videos. During our chat, we talked about his motivation about doing Smooth City and, you know, along with his process of creating it. We also talk about, you know, the music that we both like and what music influenced Smooth City. It was super fun uh, to uh, talk with Kenny Kill. Yo, that's my homie now, man. We became friends during this, uh, during this talk. He's a cool guy. Uh, before we get into this interview with Kenny Kill. I uh, just wanted to uh, give an update on the podcast, what's going on in my life. Uh, we got new podcasts this week uh, for, you know, for this one and for my Detroit History podcast, Renaissance Soul. Uh, we're going to, you know, keep it rolling each week with new episodes. Um, soon I'm going to be starting a weekly Twitch video show about Detroit music history. Basically, just going to show off some records, some obscure records um, that, you know, from Detroit of all genres that, that you know, exist in my collection. And, uh, yeah, so go, uh, you know, go follow and hit the notification button at twitch.tv slash kfreshdetroit. And uh, that should probably be premiering within the next few weeks. I'm still, like, uh, working on, you know, getting everything together. But it's going to be super fun. I've been wanting to do something like like this for a long time. You know, be able to feature records that, 
that you know maybe I can't do a full podcast episode about, but I'll be also to be also like play stuff, you know. And those episodes are also gonna be archived on the audio will be archived on the the Renaissance Soul podcast stream, and I'm gonna be adding the I'll probably be adding the video archive onto my Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash fresh is the word. And for as little as just $1, just $1 a month, you can do more if you want. But $1 a month, you can, uh, you know, support what I'm doing. Um, and uh, I'm going to start putting some more, more goodies up on my Patreon. Recently, I, I celebrated my 40th birthday. Yeah, and uh, I don't look 40, and I'm feeling good these days. You know, I feel like the 40s is going to be good. You know, the early 30s sucked. The, you know, late 30s, it was mostly me, you know, getting back on track in life. Um, I ended my 30s pretty good, even though it was, you know, pandemic. But um, I had a great time for my birthday. I uh, put together a, uh, a Zoom show like a variety show um, there, you know, this is my first time doing it. So there was like some technical difficulties and, you know, time constraints and stuff with uh, some of the people I had booked for it. But, you know, that wasn't even like, I just wanted to have some content for a show, but it was like just being able to shoot the shit with my friends and my homies via zoom, especially, you know, during a pandemic that was just, amazing so uh shout out to everybody who you know showed up from you know from our birthday zoom who uh donated to the to the to the party um shout out to my homie house shoes uh, he was there also but also on his twitch show on uh the following monday you know he just dedicated all detroit music that day for my birthday party so for my 40th birthday so that was super fun man i just had a blast for my birthday it was it was like, yo, this is one of the best birthdays I've ever had, you know? So I'm 40 now. I got some other homies that are, uh, you know, just uh, turning 40. Shout out to, uh, you know, one of the Detroit hip-hop homies, Marv Juan. When I'm recording it, it's his birthday. Also, shout out to uh, to, to my homie, uh, Matt Finney. When I'm recording it, it's his 40th birthday. Yo, man, we coming, yo, we coming hard group of us man into the 40s you know besides that um this is the first uh first episode in the biden presidential era <laughs> and it feels so much better not you know seeing donald trump tweet every day but you know just the turmoil he created you know just all the you know the the buttons he pushed in america and the people who followed him. But now we're seeing like, yo, all this other crazy shit going on um, with kind of people taking the ball and running with it, man. Like, especially in Congress, man, with the, you know, the Marjorie Green, whatever her name is, and her crazy ideas. But then you got like mad people in the GOP who were, uh, you know, gave her a standing ovation in this like, you know, closed door meeting. And I'm like, yo, this this shit's wild, man. But, yo, we like, you know, during the Trump, we you know era, we had to you know fight a lot, and you know we don't, we still gotta keep our uh, voices up, man. We still gotta keep that same energy. We still gotta you know 
looks like Biden's been able to, you know, over, you know, overturn a lot of, you know, unfuck a lot of shit already. But, you know, we got to keep our, you know, keep our head, you know, keep him on his, on his toes too, man. So we can like continue the fight, man. We always got to continue the fight. You know, we just, I look at it as this, man. The Trump era was so intense and everything that now it should feel a lot easier. Well, it's never going to be easy, but people should be able to, you know, really know how to, you know, fight to have their voice heard, you know? So, like, yo, just, we got to, you know, still, you know, still be on the good, the right side of history, you know, and be able to, you know, still just voice our concerns, protest, you know, keep uh, for, you know, the Black Lives Matter, you know, uh, women's rights, LGBTQ rights, man, all that stuff, you know, it's that's still out there, man. You know, police brutality, you know, police reform, gun reform, all that stuff, it still exists. But maybe we have an administration who can be more receptive to being more progressive in regards to all these things. So, uh, yo, it's 2021 back with, uh, you know, back with fresh of the word. I want to, I want to be a lot more personal with the guests that I have this year, meaning like, I want to like try to find the people that like, yo, like these are people who really inspired me from the past or present like people who just were like, I want to have as many like bucket list episodes as I can this year. <laughs> so um, hopefully, you know, if you're listening to this, you can jump on board. You can always, you know, hit me up. You know, I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram at uh, KFresh is the word. And uh, those are the best ways of hitting me up. Or, you know, email me at DJKFresh at uh djkfresh at gmail.com and just holler at your boy you know make sure to uh subscribe anywhere that up uh, you know pod- podcast stream you know fresh is the word is there renaissance soul is there and i would really you know just love the support man if you've you know and if you can't like any support is fine man you'll like a comment comment on something that i post share something you know anything like if you can if you if you can just like subscribe and just let it subscribe you know you don't even have to listen to all the episodes cuz i know i go a lot of different places but i'm just really asking for people's support you know and i f- i feel like i've done a lot in my life to earn that trust that i'm going to bring some some quality content you know so help you know help her brother out man just hit that subscribe button or follow or whatever and uh, just help me out, you know. I'm around, man. Just hit me up if you have any feedback, questions, concerns, whatever, man. Just hit me up. All right, enough rambling. Glad to be back. Fresh the word. 2021, we in this. All right, let's get on to my interview with artist and author Kenny Keel. Of the graphic novel, Smooth City. Alright, welcome back to the Fresh of the Word podcast. And joining us 
for this episode is Kenny Keel. He's a writer and artist who has appeared in many magazines, books, works for television, art exhibits around the world. He's done comedy pieces for Mad Magazine. Uh, has had comics, graphic novels. Uh, he's big, like into like '90s hip hop and R&B, and you'll see that in his new graphic novel called Smooth City that's uh, coming out real soon. Uh, it'll probably be out by the time uh, you hear this. So uh, thanks for joining us, Kenny. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Cool, man. Like, I, yo, we were talking about this before we were rolling, man. It was like I started investigating you after I started reading Smooth City. I'm like, yo, I have a kinship with this guy, dude. It's like I... I think like we definitely paid attention to the same things growing up, you know, '90s hip hop and stuff like that. So when we talk about Smooth City, like, what was the idea behind that? Because the references about '90s R&B that you have in this in this story, like, you can't just like do a Google search and and, and bring them up, you know, you have to be an experience in that. Cause like, there's things, there's things that like, you know, in hindsight, you make fun of that. We all make fun of about the nineties and R and B and stuff like that. But it was like, it's, it's a lot of everything gripped into like this good story. So I know you had to like, just be there paying attention. So what was the motivation about doing this story? Yeah, well, this the story is basically it is yeah it's about these four best friends who are they're trying to make it in this treacherous world of early '90s R&B. Um, so they're going to be learning about the music industry and the world and themselves along this this journey they go on. And and the genesis of the idea really was just that, just being such a music nerd um, in my youth. Just um, and this is just a theme that keeps playing out in my work over and over. Just you know, comics and music. Um, and, and comedy all just being sort of interlocked because yeah. that was just that was what I was into and um, I had a bunch of different approaches that I was trying initially I knew I wanted to do something with that realm I had done a lot of hip-hop uh, related projects and I was sort of branching out into uh, other things that I was into other things that I wanted to express and other worlds I wanted to play in and uh yeah i was you know at first they were like uh they were an r&b group that were secret agents um <laughs> and then i just sort of I, I was kind of streamlined it uh because you know just that world has so much going on already you don't really have to put anything crazy on top of it it's it's no. crazy as it is so you know as a as a 10 11 12 year old um you know you start growing up you start developing your own taste getting out a little taste of the world and so you know, I was watching the music videos, I was reading the magazines, uh, reading the liner notes, and just, I, I couldn't get enough sounds, sounds and images. So, um, and it's just cool to put it all out there and then connect with people like you, because, you know, art is, it's communication. It's right, like right. this call and response. So when I put something out and I, I throw all those references in there, I want to make something that you can enjoy the story, even if you don't get the references. Right. But I want to give those little Easter eggs because those are like my little, those are my little bat signals. 
and you know thank you for accepting the call you know <laughs> what you know what i seem to notice about the story is that it kind of mixes like what we would see what we what we are seeing in the eyes of a 12 year old when we were witnessing it but it also is kind of uh mixing in like the hindsight 2020 about you know what like the music industry does what you know what happens to these types of artists uh the types of things that we didn't really understand when you're 12 years old like kind of talk about like mixing like those sort of points of view together yeah it's that's that's great that you picked up on that um certainly i wanted to keep that magic of youth in there right it's interesting to me that these are these were kids a little bit older than me. These characters um, at that time, and now I'm older than them, right? So I have these two viewpoints on it. I definitely wanted you to feel like it was sort of being packaged and presented to you, almost like you weren't really watching the real world, but sort of like a music video version of the real world. That's why the colors are turned all the way up. The backgrounds are kind of abstracted. You know, they're, they're, it's based on real locations, it's based on real life, but it's just filtered through that nostalgia, through that magic. But yeah, as you said, like the world isn't like that. And that's a big theme of the book, things not being what they seem, not being always how they're presented to you. So, you know, without being too cynical with it, uh, I, I, I try to take like a little light satirical touch of the you know the predatory practices of the music industry uh or just the media slant on pop culture uh yeah it, it was I'm, I'm i guess i can just say that's cool that you were picking up on that i'm just now getting the book out there and people are reacting so you, you never really know you know what you put on the page but you don't necessarily know what people read so right there was a like early on in the story there's the part where they go to the karaoke place to cut a demo and there's a sign that says no rap along with all yes. a few other things. That was a real thing. You know, um, when you go back to like the late, you know, when hip hop and rap started really, you know, becoming to its own, that was a real thing. Like on radio stations would be like, you know, the popular music with no rap or like the aren't like any sort of non rap, music that had like a rap feature on it they would have the no rap version also so the radio could play that you know there was definitely a a huge bias like against rap music like you know during that time that was it it was crazy you know it was like it was like it, it has so many levels of like you know just racism and classism and stuff like that packed into there so like that was like one of those things where i'm like yeah yeah that really i really understand yeah you understand that yeah it's you know this book is it's like teenager and up right so there are going to be people reading this book who that might seem kind of odd to them because their parents are going to be listening or like rap fans yeah and so they're like where's the you know it's hard to see something as a a threat and even as kids we knew that was ridiculous at the time right like, do you remember, um, like, TLC Waterfalls? Yeah. They cut Left Eye's rap out of that. And no. it's like, you should, I mean, it's it's wrong anyway, but, like, she was rapping about, like, rainbows. 
Right. Like, what, like any what, sort of rap, if there was like an R&B or a dance record yeah. or anything that had like rap in it, they had a no rap version, you know, and exactly. it was like, it was crazy. Like then, you know, no, remember those like jock jams from like two unlimited and stuff like that. Like they have versions where they don't have the rapper in it. And the rapper is what's left is what is like the, is half of the main part of the group. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So you were, it, yeah, they it, would, I just ridiculousness. It was ridiculous. And, yeah, and, you know? and you know, yeah, I, I am trying to make, I am nostalgic. I do love that era, but like, you don't want to lie. You can, you no, can, no. You can jokes, but you don't want to lie in your art. So I did try to hint without making it too heavy. Like, Oh, Hey, like everything wasn't, it wasn't utopia. You know what I mean? Things were opening up in a new way. It was, you know, there was progress being made, but it was far from ideal. Cause like, in those, yeah. During that time, not only did you have to like, like rap music and like R and B was going in this whole other way where it was influenced by rap music and hip hop. So like the, the previous generation of R and B, like those people hated it, you know, and then they hated rap, you know, because they're like they they hated where it was going. So there was all like there was all these obstacles that people had, you know. It was you know, they had the obstacles against, you know, middle America white people. They had the obstacles between the old, older black folks, you know. So like there was definitely these you know, I think that's what made that time like like a golden era in many ways because yeah. there was competition and a struggle with it. So it, you know, it churned out a lot of great music, but like, yeah, they had a lot of obstacles to get past. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. That that age division, that R and B was a conservative, older person's game, and even though yeah. those guys were talking mad shit on their <laughs> on those records back in the sixties and seventies, man. You listen, you can sing all kinds of filth. You just can't rap it. Right, man. They were oh so man. easy on the drums, you know. Yeah, but then and then. You know, to the you know, you got to shout out Teddy Riley and just here's a guy who had a hand in doing you know Slick Rick the show. He's got a background in rap, and then him and Keith Sweat get together, and <laughs> right. one thing leads to another, and you have New Jack Swing. And I think that was probably partly you can partly credit rap going mainstream, even though they were cutting it out of the radio edits. You see, can't deny see, that the, forever. So the new the new Jack Swing era that you know that came like late eighties, early nineties, and that was like a transitional period between the two golden ages of hip hop. Yeah, and um, it kind of helped hip hop grow and helped R and B kind of stay like kind of you know progress also, but then. Right. After that, you know, you had the golden era of hip hop from 92 to like 96, 97, where it just like, you're slammed by this whole new sound of things, you know? Yeah. And so like, even that New Jack Swing sort of thing kind of like died out really quickly because, you know, it, it, it became kind of corny, you know, to a certain extent, you know? And then you had a whole new breed of like, of R&B that was that was really influenced by hip hop, you know, mm. that came in the, that mid, the mid nineties with, you know, the Jodeces and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. They kind of, they kind of shredded the, 
the, the a lot of the things that you kind of joke about in the in Smooth City, they kind of you know shred that sort of image. You know the for for a little while. The funny thing is, a lot of it kind of comes back, like the begging on your knees and the you know you know grabbing the air and Grab stuff like air. that. Yeah, like stuff like that would eventually come back to a certain extent back like in the late nineties into the two thousands. Yes. And, um, but there, but there was like, there was like a weird, like back and forth with like hip hop and R and B for a while. Um, that like those older generations, like didn't really appreciate, even though somebody like Ron Isley always, you know, the whole Isley brothers would like ha- always be strapped and probably more gangster than any gangster rapper, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't want to, with Mr. Biggs. Uh, no, nah, nah. So, okay. So like around the, around the time in your life, they, you know, maybe you feel like smooth city is like kind of depicted on that sort of time. Like, where were you in your life? How old were you? Where were you living? Sort of, you know, what were the things that you were listening to? Yeah. Well, this is, uh, you know, I never put a year on it. Um, I called it, I called it that it takes place in between Teddy Riley and Puff Daddy. Okay. So yeah. it's in that it's 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 would be late elementary, junior high years. Yeah, yeah. This is like uh, this has like this has like huge like Uptown Records vibes to it. Yes, yes. <laughs> so yeah, I was hugely into it. I, I'm growing up in the South, um, which is why the guys take a detour through the South, um, just because I wanted to sort of call out the places where I would have been as I got older going yeah. to like clubs and going to concerts for the first time, I wanted to sort of show love to those types of spaces too. street festivals. Just right. Right. Um, it's, it's definitely a different image than, you know, what you would see in a, in the new Jack swing, like music video. But uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it was just, that was the time of my life. There's not a whole, I mean, there's not a whole lot you can say about those years. I wasn't, I didn't have a driver's license to like, <laughs> Well, what, was some, what was some of the records that you were listening to, both like R&B and hip hop and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, oh man. So listen, yeah, hip, I mean, I was just trying to, I was just, I was just ahead. I don't even know what to tell you. Here's, here's an example of where I was at at that time. I had two CD towers in my room. I had one East Coast rap and the other was West Coast rap. <laughs> so I was like, I was deeply entrenched. So, and you know, and with R&B, I, I guess anything that Babyface touched, anything Teddy Riley touched, you mentioned Jodeci. Jodeci was huge for me. You know, I love Boys to Men, but I always lean towards Jodeci. Yeah. They were just, they're a little more uh, adventurous in their production. Mm-hmm. They had this sort of rock star kind of vibe. You see them out in the Cry For You video in a desert, wearing leather vests like with a piano. Who does that? Like, yeah, who does that, man? You out in the desert in, in, in full leather, dog. Yeah, like, that's commitment. That's commitment. She said it's been an hour since they've only, she'd only been gone an hour. They dragged their piano out to the sand dunes. That's, that's a different kind of pain. See, that's some begging right there, man. That is like, begging. Yeah, they made it cool, though. That was the thing. This was cool. like, it was emotional, yeah. which, you know, you didn't have a lot of pop culture pushing you to explore your emotions. Right, but they, they found they were a way real to with it, it, man. Because you got like a song like "Freaking You," which just yeah. starts out like every time I close my eyes, I wake up feeling so horny. 
Like, all right, we're just yeah. not gonna. Okay, we're just gonna go there real quickly. We're not gonna. First line. We're not gonna time. beat around the bush at all with that song. Every time. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, they went it, there. They took it there. They and 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 they would and they crossed over too. They yeah. were. Um, you know, we get that second album. She's not even credited in the tracks, but you get Missy Elliott. Right. Right. She's she's dropping anonymous bars on album cuts, not even a single. Like, right, right. So yeah, like it's, it's that overlap. It's that hip hop R&B. Like once they touched, there were reactions to it. Sometimes rap felt like it had to get away from that. Um, but the two worlds were never the same after they combined. Were you ever into like, you know, like, like Southern rap? Cause like Southern rap was really, I'm, I've always been a big fan of Southern rap because they were really good at like marketing and promoting themselves, building themselves up from the, you know, from yeah. the street level to ground up and and doing and creating like their own lanes you know so i like i have always liked a lot of you know southern rap you know was there anything that you were into yeah i mean probably the earliest were like little kiki yeah um from you know texas and then i mean when louisiana started really blowing up like the fact that we got cash money and no limit <laughs> right right and i mean juvenile even before i knew either those i don't think these labels even existed yet when juvenile had his like first regional hit um uh, yeah i mean of course i mean you that was because then that felt like oh that's us like i was a huge fan of east coast rap i loved west i, I loved all of it yeah um and of course outcast outcast is huge yeah i used um, to like back then i used to re how i would learn about a lot of southern stuff was was uh, through Murder Dog magazine. Remember that? Murder Dog, yes. Yeah. So like, I was listening to all the like the Cash Money stuff and the No Limit stuff before they really broke into like pop culture, you know. Yeah. And um, in a slew of other tapes that were like crazy, yeah. like some of them were, they were so bad that they were so, kind of good, you know. You're like, <laughs> like you never forget them like sort of things. You're like, this is kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is so wild that it's like kind of cool, you know? And yeah. I, was I mean, like I definitely a, have like a lot of local. Yeah. That real local shit up. anywhere else. But yeah, the, the, the beats, the production style, the slang, of course, like screw tapes, but I mean, it was once it broke, you couldn't, you almost couldn't escape it. It was at every party. It was right. on, it was on the radio station constantly. Right. Yeah, even here, man, state. Detroit, like yeah. it was just like everywhere. I was gonna ask because I don't have a sense of how the rest of the the rest of the world, the rest of the country, was receiving it. I think for I think in Detroit because okay when okay when No Limit broke and I was still a little underage to go to things. Yeah. Um. I think like if you're going to like a club atmosphere, maybe in Detroit. In in the Midwest, it might be popping, but like the hip hop, hip hop stuff, like I don't even think they really fuck with like they they didn't really fuck with like no lemon cash money stuff like like in public. They might have done like secretly, but the hip hop cats really didn't outly like fuck with that shit. Yeah, because like okay, so around the time that those labels are rising and like the South, yes, I mean the South is still raining. It's crazy. Um, but Louisiana specifically was really just unprecedented success. Um, I, I lost my train of thought. Uh, 
I don't I totally forgot what I was about to say. It was gonna be mad inside. It was gonna be mad insightful too. Oh no, okay. So the internet, the internet, the thing yeah. that we're on right now, that's also kind of coming up at the same time, right? So now you yeah, have like because that's pop. when like like AOL was starting to pop. Um yeah. message boards were like, you know, really starting to yeah. pop. And um like yeah, that was that was another great good time because like you would start like slowly getting like these websites, these blogs that would upload regional and, Mm -hmm. you know, local tapes from other parts, you know, so you'd, you know, you get to know all that stuff. That's kind of how I got my break into like the Detroit hip hop scene was being one of the people like on the internet that like exposed Detroit hip hop stuff, you know, during that time, you know, and that was like, that was I love that time, like the you know the message board days, like the the old yeah. internet, <laughs> so before yeah. social media and everything. That like you would be able to you know, you would be you wouldn't you wouldn't be like always sold like upon all these music. You'd be able to find all these artists organically, and it was just like, yo, this is crazy, yo. Yeah, stuff you wouldn't have found any other way. Um, it's so commonplace now, but it really was like a new world. And I definitely would be on these message boards and I would definitely pick up on like Lil Wayne being treated more like a punchline. Uh, and yeah, Detroit. I mean, gosh, like I, I think probably the internet would have been my first exposure to like Dilla, Slum okay, Village. This is, okay, you're around the same age. As, uh, I knew I knew MC Breed from, he'd pop up in the source every now and then. Right. Wait, how old are you right now? 40. Okay. Right I'm, now. Okay, I'll be 40 in January. Do you remember a uh, a website back in the day called Renaissance Soul? Sounds kind of familiar. Yeah, it was a Jay Dilla website. Oh, yeah. I mean, I probably was on it, yeah. Yeah, that was my website back in the day. What? Oh. Yeah, I was the one that, like, created, like, the Jay Dilla discography that was, like, on OK Player and stuff. Like, do you remember okay that? Player. Yes! <laughs> yeah, that was yes! me. That's me. <laughs> OK Player. Yo, that's amazing. Yes. So, OK, so we, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, like, we were around the same time, like, you know, actively on the net and stuff like that. I actually just brought back the name Renaissance Soul as a podcast. That's yeah. a Detroit music history podcast. Incredible. Yeah. That's so, great. yeah, like when I was going through everything, I'm like, I wonder if he knows about my old site, man. Cause right. <laughs> look, he looks like somebody who might know about my old site. <laughs> Dang. Well, yeah. Maybe, who knows? Maybe we got in a, a flame war. Manny Fresh versus Dilla. Maybe we fought. On a message board, and nah, stuff. No, I probably, that's I amazing. Probably I, wasn't, I know your, I know your work. That's incredible. No, nah, I probably wasn't like, um, I, no, nah, I wasn't debating or getting into arguments with people. No, nah, that's never been my style. That was never my style either. But like, it would be like, no, nah, me, I, me, I would just always be like, just correcting people on, you know, on like what things they were wrong about in regards to Dilla yeah. and Detroit hip hop and stuff like that. There's a lot of that. Yeah, man, I don't. I've never, I've never lived in that area. Um, but uh, one summer, uh, I remember the Spit Kicker tour. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I happened to be in Detroit the night that it was happening at this like historic theater. It's across from the baseball stadium. Oh yeah, it's probably the State Theater. Okay, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So and and I came out there and they brought out Slum Village. Spit. And, uh, who's on that? I, I remember. Common, De La Soul, yeah, Bismarcky. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. I was, maybe. 
Yeah, I was probably at that show too. (laughs) I've been to so many shows that I, when you said that, I was like, I remember the name, but I don't know what it was. (laughs) That one just sticks out because I was like, I don't know where I am, but I'm going to go to this show. Right, right, right. Yeah. So like, you've had your, you know, you've had your hands into a, you know, a bunch of other things doing, you know, treatments for music videos uh, doing other illustrations, uh, doing stuff for um, Mad Magazine. Like, how do you know? Talk about some of the other stuff that you did and how you kind of got into doing those things. You know, how did you break into those other things? Yeah, man. Um, my work, my work is all over the place. Um, it all kind of originates sort of the same way. I'm, I'm coming up in um, my background's graphic design, right? So. I studied that in college. I, I always liked comics and cartoons, but I did I did I wasn't really in a place geographically or mentally to understand how to make it happen. So I was <laughs> like, I'm gonna get this I'm gonna get this graphic design degree. I'll figure out something to do with that. I'll I'll get to make pictures and I'll I'll be able to buy groceries and stuff, right? Um and then life just kind of sometimes takes you back to where you originally wanted to be. Uh so Dipping my toes in and out of the comics game, uh, I would, you know, I put something out and then I go do something else. Um, Mad found me because of the first time I really did something that prominently put hip hop and comics together. I did like these around 2009, 2010. I did these remix album covers. This is very commonplace now. It was a little less so in 2009 but I would take classic hip hop album covers and I would remix them with a comic book character. Yeah. Uh, and I did a series of those and, you know, that was like one of my first times really putting my art on the internet with like my name on it and that, all that scary stuff. I probably and, saw uh, those things. Like I'm, I probably saw those things. Based on the circles we we've traveled in, I'm guessing you probably did. <laughs> okay. Player was one of the first places that like really supported it um yeah and it sort of it sort of made its rounds on the music blogs and then they, and then it made its rounds again on the comic blogs and uh it yeah, was sure that, that the mad associate editor art editor ryan flanders he you know he gave me whatever just like said something nice about the art and then we just started talking because i grew up one of my uh, one of my other obsessions would have been mad magazine you know i, I lumped that in with the comics love i mean it, it just informed my whole sense of humor my worldview. I mean, I was all. I looked about like it. Alfred E. Newman when I was a kid. Dog, I looked just like him, man. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> I don't see it. I don't see it now. For yeah, I kind of grew out of it, but like, yeah, yeah. if I were to show you like photos of me as a kid, totally look like Alfred E. Newman. Yeah, sometimes you just gotta grow into your own head. Sometimes <laughs> that happens. You got a head, and your body's just gonna. Everything else is catching up. Alfred never did. So right. he's like your Dorian Gray painting. But, uh, yo, yeah, so he sees it. So we start talking. So, uh, you know, even though Mad, you wouldn't necessarily associate it with hip hop, but people who are working there are into it. So they recognize what I was doing. They see some humor in it. Um, so, you know, I start pitching to them. And then, you know, not quite 10 years, but close to it, Mad was kind of like home for me as far as my comics were. Um, that was, that's where I was doing, doing my thing, that, and just self-publishing indie, indie projects. Um, and then as far as the music thing, 
that just comes from knowing people like as you can attest to through the through the internet or just through people you meet in in school um everybody kind of gets out of school and goes their own ways right. and you know one of my very good friends he he really he was always giving me props on my writing um he's getting into music videos no one directors hate making treatments or something i don't know it's not i i, I like it i like and, and if you if you can find a thing you like that everybody else hates to do right you know look into it because uh <laughs> everybody you know it, for me i'm thinking visually um I'm th i love music videos i come up on them so um it's kind of like a form of storytelling so, uh, you know so yeah i started making uh sort of like the pitch decks for those and then that branches out into other types of work in that in that realm and so yeah and i was writing for did a little bit of music writing um in like 2004 2005 area for for a music magazine and uh and i've done some cartoons for vibe okay and mass appeal too um i'm definitely not like a music journalist type i just don't have i'm not a documentarian <laughs> i'm not good with facts i would i did i did my fair share of interviews and they were fun but i never really felt like i got the knack for them right salute to you it's <laughs> not easy it's not easy right um, like I, I think i finally like i I've, I've been like i've been writing doing stuff for like wow a long time now like yeah like renaissance soul dropped in 2001 and then you know a little after that i started actually doing music writing here like at a weekly alternative i had yeah. a, and then doing i for a while i was a contributor on you know, Huffington Post. So I was doing music writing on there, but like, yeah. I feel, and even with this, this, uh, this podcast, like it literally took until like maybe two years ago to when I felt really comfortable about doing interviews to where mm -hmm. I can just like go off the dome and not have questions and topics written down and stuff like that. And like a lot of that had in, had to do with me going to therapy and getting my mind right. Oh, okay, okay. So, like that, you know, made me, you know, cleared my mind, gave me a lot more confidence. So, like, yeah. I'm in a place now where I can like easily do, you know, for the most part, easily do interviews with people as long as they're willing to talk back to me. Yeah, <laughs> you, you need that. Yeah. But yeah, the headspace is important. If you, you know, I can even, even being on this side of it, you get real, I get real nervous beforehand. I get kind of stuck. And if you get stuck in your head, you're not really yeah. engaging. Right. So you got to listen. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so it's, and I, yeah, when I was doing it, I was, it would be a lot of phone interviews. Yeah. Couldn't really see the person. First dude. And, and I was working like, I wasn't, it wasn't like a pain. It wasn't paying a lot. I would be at my day job. And then, like over my lunch break, <laughs> I gotta go to the Sonic parking lot and call Twista with like a little notebook in my lap. I don't even have I don't even have the equipment to record it. Right. I don't. I was like, does he? I was like, does he talk as fast as he raps? Am I gonna be able to take notes? <laughs> I was terrified. I was just ready for him to be like, no, 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 no. Yeah, but it was cool. He was actually super laid back and chill. But you get all that anxiousness in your head about. Like given, right given all the things that you do, you know, kind of got your, 
your toes dipped into a, you know, a few things like, does that, you know, give you, you know, more freedom in regards to the stuff that you want to do, like your personal projects? Yeah, I don't know. Freedom. It's such, such a tricky concept because you have, there's real life obligations that you have to keep, keep work, keep workflow going. So you, you have your personal projects too. I'll say I don't get bored and I'll say that, what are the other positives? You know, if one thing slows down, you didn't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. And, you know, so if I'm, if, if I'm not getting illustration work, uh, you know, maybe I can write something. If I'm not writing something, maybe somebody needs a logo, you know? So it's, it's hard to brand yourself that way, but I don't really, I'm not crazy about that concept in the first place. So, and I think graphic design kind of taught me, it, it appealed to me because of the kind of person I was, but it also helped me expand on that to where you're just, you're using visual language to solve problems. So if you can apply that thinking and sort of extrapolate it, you can apply it to really anything, you know? Yeah, let's talk more about that. Cause that's very interesting. Like, like how can you, how do, how do you apply it to other things in life? Yeah. Well, you gotta like, listen, you gotta hear other people's needs, other people's perspectives, and you gotta be willing to collaborate um, and define what the problem is to take sort of like a, uh, your, your outcome focused. If I'm just doing personal art, maybe the only outcome is I just want to feel good and draw something goofy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's nothing wrong with that, but, uh, if doing a graphic novel, well, I need the story to make sense. You know what I mean? I need it to feel a certain way. So, you know, the style that I drew smooth city in, isn't really like anything that I'd drawn before. I mean, it, it doesn't look like a completely person, different person drew it, but it, it's, it's stylistically, it's not like everything else I've done because I was in that sort of graphic design mode of thinking always where I'm like, well, let me cater my style to the best possible way to express the vibe, you know, or the story, that innocence, that era. So it's, it's a lot of shape and color there's sort of a simple fluidity I was trying to go for. How do you, how do you kind of like mentally, you know, keep yourself going to like have that space, have that room to try different styles, you know, whether it's working on your own projects or anything else, like where you're not just like hooked on having your own, like one or two styles. Oh, it's, it it can actually be kind of annoying. (laughs) Because sometimes I'm just like, dude, don't reinvent the wheel every time you sit down to draw. Right. Draw like you draw. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means, man. This is just me talking to myself. It's a mess. No, I feel uh, you, though. You're like, why can't I just do it like I always do it, man? And why do you got to like always come up with something yeah. new? I might mean, think about it. Your favorite artists generally are known for like a style that is immediately recognizable. I yeah. got... I, I would never say that's the wrong approach. Uh, but for me, I've definitely got a little more focused over the years. I was, when I was kind of just starting out drawing, I wanted to just sort of experiment with everything. Um, I'm getting, I'm getting a little more focused as I, as I get older. Um, but do you feel like your, uh, your talents are more valuable to the fact that you have the ability to try other things and you, 
there's a know-how there to be able to expand or do something totally different stylistically. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Um, yeah, I, th I think so. I think there's something to, you know, diversify your bonds, you know, like just <laughs> keep it mixed up. The world's always changing. So, you know, you can't say nothing's ever in a state of real stasis. Everything's always moving anyway. So I think it puts me in a position to be able to roll with that a little bit better. It has its lumps. There's no, there's really no easy way. I mean, to live period, but certainly to live as an artist. I have the same ups and downs as everyone else. It's a struggle. Right. Um, but yeah, I would say that it has benefited me in that way. Right. Now, People know they to... can come to me and I'll just try to, I'll try to, like, from a client perspective, they know I'll try to cater it to them. Yeah. So if, they, if you come, if you want, if you know a style and you know the artist, of course you hire that artist. But like, if you want to sort of go on a graphic journey with someone, <laughs> I'll be up front. I'll be like, yo, I don't really know what this is going to look like, but let's talk and let's figure it out together. Let's see if we can do it. Like that's. Yeah. Let's you can't to be it. too sensitive artiste at that point. You got to be able to take <laughs> um, <laughs> feedback, but yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't know. It works. It works. It works. Uh, getting yeah. back to smooth city. Like when, you know, what do you, you know, feel like is the sort of, like the main theme of this story, you know, what's something that people can get out of it, like universally? Mm. Well, I almost don't, I don't want to tell people what to get out of it, but I hope you have a good time when you read it. Yeah. It's supposed to first and foremost, uh, look, it was, a, it was, everybody's going through it right now. I was definitely going through it when I was making the book. This book was like a joyful escape. Yeah, I, was, I was completely chuckling like throughout like just constantly i'm not going to pretend to be deeper than i am i just want that <laughs> i really i'm happy if i can get you there get you out of your problems for a little bit it's like a pop song you can listen to it on a very surface level you can also project your own life into it when a really good pop song sticks with you and sticks with you for life it's because it's not necessarily that it told you who you were but it's because you you were able to hear yourself in it so you know, if you see, you know, hopefully you respond to, um, you know, people of different, of different cultures, of different backgrounds, working together, coming together, you know, harmony, literally, right? But like, working together, I thought was a big thing. That was one of the positives of what I saw happening in the culture in the 90s. Um, as corn, you know, you, you mentioned there's, there's a corniness to it. Um, right. But there are worse things you can be in the world than corny. So um, hopefully you see that. Hopefully you get a little bit of that, as you were saying earlier, that magic mixed with that cynicism. I think that's the Mad Magazine part of my brain. <laughs> I always come from a place where, you know, the, the more I love something, the more I'll tend to joke about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you see if I'm tweeting a lot of things about like rap music. I'm not clown. I'm, I'm not hating. I was like, I love this. This is how I express that joy. Right, so, right, right. Yeah, I mean, just have a good time with it. And yeah, hopefully if you get something more out of it, great. I definitely related it to like my own journey as an artist, just what it's like to be creative, the dangers you have to look out for, the stumbling blocks, the big the big pinnacles when you feel like you've, you know, broken through. You know, I don't want to spoil it, but um, a lot of music biopics, 
they 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 end with the the musician being the biggest thing ever, right? It's always like they're a star. They won. I tried to step away from that. I like to think that the joy of creation is in the creating. So, you know, happy ending and all that, but I'm not really trying to say you have to be a huge pop star to feel successful in art. This is these are four friends making something they love together and you do that and you stay true to yourself, you won. These you know, these days sort of we're going through this time where we're in a pandemic. We're also going through another like huge evolution of like the, you know, of the civil rights movement with the Black Lives Matter movement. How do you, how do you feel like this story sort of fits in to the, you know, to that because we're seeing we're seeing, you know, behaviors um, you know, mind states you know, either change or be like completely you know, blown out you know we're seeing the worst of the worst out of people you're yeah. seeing the best of the best out of people or you're seeing people change you know how you know what how do you feel like your, this story kind of fits into all that i mean i'm i'm, I'm not I'm, i am a political person i'm not an overtly political artist um but i had to have been reacting to all that on some level in making this and you know the, the interesting thing I've learned about making a book is you're still learning what it's about even after it's done. So I would say, you know how New Jack Swing it wasn't overtly political, but um, when you when you when you look at those images of joy and prosperity, and you kind of compare it to the arc of American history of world history, um, it becomes political almost, yeah. right? They're, they're just just to be able to exist for us to come together because um, the the mainstream messaging of society is that we can't right um, so that in itself becomes political yeah um, so on that level I guess that's how it relates there is like a little subplot that deals with um, you know you know how how black and brown and you know non-conforming youth, get seen by the media and um, and law enforcement, right? Yeah. Because that stuff didn't just start now. Oh, yeah. Um, it's not, you know, it's it's handled with a light touch. Um, and it's it's playing off of, you know, the heavy American history side of things. It's also playing off things like the goofier side with like Tipper Gore, um, which we just saw with Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. <laughs> they put out the song and everybody's clutching their pearls right right think of the children what are we gonna do that this is like it's it's just the same old song over and over i'm like with, man i'm like i grew up with all of this man i've, I've heard this all before yeah. man so like, like yeah i'm not here to like i don't think i have to justify anyone's existence i i, I just want to show i just want to do counter programming basically where there's so much there's so much hate and anger you can uh you can kind of really spin your wheels um, voluntarily putting your, yourself and your own beliefs on trial. Um, but those people are never going to stop throwing that at you. Right, right. So I'm not really interested in, get, in engaging it in an argument sense. Engage it absolutely in your political life. But as far as making this comic, I'm not here to say, well, that's wrong and here's why. I'm speaking to people, hopefully, who already know 
right and wrong. Uh, and I'm just going to say, let's have, let's have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you, you know, what are you listening to these days? You know, what, 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 what music are you listening to? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, just today, uh, there's a new project dropped by salt. Yeah. You need the salt. They're amazing. Oh man. Like that's, that's like the fourth album in two years, like within two years, man. Just all you know, <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, I saw, yeah, I was like, so I was like, no, they, they didn't drop. No, like they already had something in 2020. Like that's no, no, this is like the oh, fourth yeah, one. You're like, holy thing. Yeah, no, that's, that's, you know, you, you would discover a new group and you, you wish that three more albums dropped instantly, but it doesn't right. happen that way. And I'm not, I'm not tired of it. I'm not oversaturated. They're amazing. I say on the rap side, uh, yeah, I like everything coming out of the Griselda camp right now. Oh yeah, they're yeah, yeah, Greg grimy. That's oh, I love it. Ghost, just give me just just put those ad libs into my veins. That, that new Conway album is so good. Yeah, I've been listening to that specifically. Yeah. Um, on the R and B side, uh, probably the most as far as somebody who's like currently putting out new work. I really like her, H E R. Yeah, that was the that was the last think, live performer I saw before everything got shut down. Ah, I I think she's amazing, just a full musician. Um, Frank Ocean, Miguel, who else? My gosh, Summer Walker. Every, I don't know. I'm into yeah. There's, I don't know, and I listen to a lot of old stuff. I'm still listening like these throwback references that are in this book. It's. <laughs> not because i have a great memory it's because that stuff never left rotation <laughs> i know i know you i know what you're people saying, are like man. yo you know the throwback yeah i threw it back to last week yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm literally just listening to this right now i'm not like exactly. i didn't just bring it out for the for the comment. my car has a cd player i'm still on that i'm still making mixed cds okay like, right like you still listening to it man like yeah, and there's those yeah, those those records yeah. like that you just don't put away, you know? Like you don't like I have like crates of records in there that that are just like Yeah. Like I okay, I have like records in my bedroom, but I have like certain crates that are just like for things I want easy access to. Yes. Like that's and I also have a new arrivals like um crate. This is the stuff that I just bought, you know? It's like I'm a record store. Yeah. Just for, like, I got a new arrivals crate, and then I got the stuff that I want to, you know, easy easy yes. to reach. <laughs> Every, yeah, everything's streaming now, but for some reason, I still go over to my bookshelf and get the CD binder down. Right, like... Just that I have it. You can, you're, you're a DJ, right? Yeah, I don't really DJ much anymore, but... Well, yeah. nobody does but <laughs> is, that the, is that the is that the genesis of the record collection though or do you just prefer that sound it's okay for a while yes it was you know because my hip-hop collection is like the biggest part of it yeah. and um but a lot of my newer records is just me wanting to have like specific things on vinyl to listen to on vinyl I, man I, think, I feel like hip-hop's gotta be the most dangerous Thing you can get into if you if you've got a completist mentality oh just through okay. sampling there's really nothing i don't listen to and it all comes from being that kid who had the east coast west coast cd towers because you read the liner notes 
And you're like, oh, that's where this beat came from. See, I never, okay, because I was never someone who like made beats or anything. Right. Yeah. I never got into the whole finding the original sample thing because yeah. that's a <laughs> expensive thing to yeah. get into. Like another another thing that can be really expensive is like old like funk and soul forty fives. Yeah. I never got into oh, that. Gosh, yeah. But what I'm doing now in that regard is I am looking for old Detroit like funk and soul 45s from like 60s and 70s from like mm. old like Detroit small little labels and stuff like that. That's like that's where I'm keeping it. I'm not going anywhere else outside of that. I'm just going to keep it as like Detroit stuff, you know. <laughs> that's what you say now. I'll check in on you next year. Right. That sounds like me like when I if I if I buy like a a toy robot or something. I'm like, "All right, I'm just going to buy this one. I'm not a robot collector now. I just like this one toy." Well, yeah, I I love finding them. I don't buy them. I, I collecting them. I just don't have the space for it. I've got like a little record collection just off to my side right now, but um yeah, man. But and the funny thing with me too is like I was n- I I was always like a tape kid, you know, I had cassette tapes and stuff like that. But when we were forced into like the CD uh, generation, Mm -hmm. I hated that, you know, and I, I really didn't buy too many CDs, even though I got a big CD collection. Most of my CD collection is stuff I got for free, like Mm -hmm. being who I am in journalism and stuff like that. Yeah. But now I'm starting to buy CDs of stuff that was like never on vinyl or things that are okay either it's not on vinyl or it's a album that was released on cd only kind of but it was not really promoted greatly you know like okay i'm not gonna buy a popular cd popular album on cd you know at all but like uh take someone like um remember you know the uh singer amory Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she, she had like other albums, like after a third and fourth album, yeah. but like the record company didn't promote it at all in the states. Like it was like overseas. Uh, like, like I lit- like I recently bought those CDs and like I had to get them from Japan or something like that. Yeah, Hong Kong imports. And I yeah, because that's where they're you know that's where they're yeah. at you know, and that's the kind of things that I want. Like things that were like are kind of they're they're uh, all they're uh, cheap but they're still hard to find they're not like readily available right yeah you got to be on some kind of specialty website yeah that's not, like you gotta go on discogs and find it like discogs right yeah. yeah and that's what i'm looking for is just like thing even detroit stuff like i'll look for like really weird like detroit stuff that's like on cd or stuff like that like like i've probably bought more cds like this summer than I've probably ever in my life, like in one period of time, you know, <laughs> like I don't ever remember buying this many CDs in my life. I love it. 2020 was your big, but CD. none of them were expensive. Like I didn't, none of them were expensive at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like no, that, that was, that's why I was salty when they came out. Cause suddenly everything was like $7 more expensive. And 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 plus, like the you know the you know discmans and like any sort of CD players that are mobile, just just blew through batteries (laughs) in one sitting. 
Yo, yeah. My yeah, walk, my cassette Walkman, I could have batteries in that for a whole month and <laughs> use it every day. Yeah. Like that was the str- like that was the thing. That was like I loved my, you know, I okay, cuz I used to listen to my Walkman every day. Had a huge yeah. tape collection. I had a paper route when I was a kid and everything. Used to have them yeah. every day. I used to go through maybe like three or four Walkmans a year because I'd wear them out. But the batteries like were good for like three weeks a month, you know, each right. time. But like a Discman or any other CD player, like they die in the same day. Yeah, man. And yeah, I and hated they're, they're that. Right. I hated that time. <laughs> Those those Walkman were like tanks. They were like strong. Plus, they were big. You couldn't put them anywhere. None of them had belt clips. Like, but they wouldn't they wouldn't skip, right? Yeah. The CD player. I don't care about like whatever anti skip technology they claim to have. No, sir, wasn't the same. And there was only one manufacturer that had like a belt clip for them. (laughs) For a for a discman or a Walkman. For no, for yeah, CD player. Like, I never seen that. Yeah, it doesn't was, seem like it would work. Like there was, I forget who did you it. Pop like, it open, it's gonna come out. Like, I forget. You gotta who, catch it. Yeah, I forget who. Like, like the what manufacturer actually had? It might have been like Panasonic or something. They had one that actually had a belt clip on it. Like other than that, remember they used to have things that you could put on your shoulder, your arm, or like a like yeah. a a thing like you could put the disc, like the CD player in, so you walk in and stuff like that. Do you remember the tape player adapter? Oh yeah. (laughs) So I know, you know, but I just, for anybody who doesn't know, because just describing it, I feel like it's something I dreamed. You had your CD, you'd have your Discman, your portable CD player. It had a wire that plugged into it. On the other side of the wire was like a cassette tape with nothing on it. Right. And then you so you 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 stick the tape, the cassette tape into your tape player. Yeah, which always made me hella nervous because why am I? There's I got this wire hanging out of my tape player now. Like, what's that gonna get? Yeah, stuck in. Yeah, and, I used um, to have one of those. And then in very in, and then in very poor quality. And then it's and then you're driving like Louisiana. Like we didn't have the best roads. Like you're just you're and there's no hole. place to put the CD oh, player. Shit. Yeah, you just try to bounce on your dash. You got to get your homeboy to like hold the, you hold the. It wasn't give me the aux cord. It was when you hold my discman. There's absolutely no place to put that. Like, like I think I had one, but I didn't have that many CDs, so I just never really used it in my car because I had enough tapes to like, you know, my first car just to like listen to what I wanted to. But yeah, like the CD age was so annoying. Like for me, like. I know everybody liked it because you could skip to your song and like you had the CD quality, but like if you're mobile, like I was walking around, you know, stuff like that, CD players were like not the deal, you know, I just kind of quit doing it all. And then until like the the MP3 age was when I kind of came, like finally came. And even that it took a long time for me to get like an iPod or anything to like listen to stuff when I'm walking around and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It took a long time for me even to get there, but I was like, oh, this is like when I was a kid and I had tapes. I could walk yeah. around and listen to music. Tapes <laughs> are like they've have they kind of had a little bit of a comeback though. Yeah, like, like it's, it's like a little novelty thing. You know, I've been buying yeah. stuff like that from like 
you know, artists yeah. that I like, if they, uh, if they have one, I'd be like, Oh yeah, let me get that. You know, like it's a cool little thing. Yeah, man. I used to love dubbing. <laughs> no, what I, I used like to do, like, like this is, so, and this is such a, like, this is such like a old, like nineties thing. When I was in 10th grade, I used to like using my like dual cassette boom box. Mm-hmm. I used to make tapes for uh, for other people at school, yes. like mixtapes of like it always be themed too, like East Coast stuff, West Coast, That's Southern it. stuff. Like it was like all these things that I was like listening to that nobody else was, you know. And I would just like make people tapes, you know. That was my like my biggest sort of spike of popularity I think ever. And <laughs> back when I was in school was. Was he- well, everybody knew I was like the hip hop kid, the rap kid, anyways, you yeah. know. But like, I started making all these tapes and stuff. I literally think I I broke No Limit Records at my high school. Wow! Like, I think that was my first like real <laughs> DJ moment. Yeah, was breaking lo- No Limit Records music at my high school in like n- like in '97 or something like that. Or oh my gosh. <laughs> Made him say, uh, <laughs> before all that, you know, I was ice like, it was like the, you know, Mr. Ice Cream Man oh, and stuff like, Man. Yeah. <laughs> stuff like yeah. that. Stuff like that, dude. All the stuff I was reading in Murder Dog, like, yeah, that see, was, see, that yeah. was me in 10th grade, yo. Yeah, that was a whole, yeah, that was like a whole, like, boy, we could go on all day about this. I just remember the source having this, like, New York number you could call to list, to sample CDs coming out or albums coming out, rather. Right. And you would you would call the number. Oh my god, I did this like once. Uh, uh, you, so you're calling long distance, which was not really something you really did uh, frivolously. Uh, right. This is why I only did it once. But uh, you push like a number for what record you wanted to sample, and it play over like a bad answering machine connection. You'd hear like a few seconds of the song. You'd go to the next track. I mean, it was crazy. It just blew my mind the first time I went to a Tower Records and they had like. You could listen. They had these CDs that you yeah, could the, yeah, man. Like the the listening stations at Tower Records and stuff like that. That was like that was the place to go, man. Like if you're you and your group of friends yeah. and stuff like that, like hang out, listen to the stuff, you know. That was yeah. It's, it's that's so something like now. that's something like people now don't understand. Like you know, hit hitting the listening stations at a record store. That's, yeah, there that might only move. be three of them. You might have to wait. Yeah. Imagine waiting to hear a song. Yeah, imagine waiting. Like, that's all we did was wait to hear songs. Stayed waiting. We hear it on the radio. We go to the record store. You have this song? Nah, it's not coming out yet. Uh, Okay, all right. Like, okay. We were a little disappointed, but, like, we understood, you know. We didn't know any better. Yeah, yeah. But now if you were to tell somebody they can't listen to a song that they just heard they'll they'll lose their shit like what do you mean <laughs> what do you mean i can't listen to this outrage song? yeah <laughs> what do you mean? yeah man that instant access okay so like you know aside from you know smooth city you know um do you have anything in the works coming up after that oh man i'm taking a little bit of a break i'm not working on anything i can really promote I'm, i mean i'm definitely staying busy i'm working on some some pretty cool projects that hopefully I can talk about soon. But as far as a, as far as a comic, I got nothing right now. I'm just enjoying this sort of first book experience. 
I know everybody always has like I feel bad. Everybody always has their next two or three things lined up, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm gonna take a nap. I'm gonna take a nap. I'm gonna rest my hand. I'm gonna put my hand in some ice. That was a lot of drawing, but um, no, I'm kind of just uh, seeing seeing what happens with this book and um, just grinding away. You know what's what's been your uh, you know reaction to other people's feedback thus far? Great. I mean, it's felt amazing. You know, it um. I got a little taste of it early on because it started as a mini comic that I had brought to San Diego Comic-Con three years ago. It must've been three years ago. Yeah. It took me like two years to draw. So, and it was a real, it was a real small run, but it, I, it amazed me the reaction it got. You know, I've, I've been going to Comic-Con for a while. You sort of have your people who will come to, after a while they know what to look for you. They come yeah. to your table. And it's just a hangout. Our 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 Comic Con vibe. Uh, uh, me and uh, my collaborator on a lot of other projects, uh, Gustavo Alberto Garcia Vaca. We we have this special sort of vibe at our table. So people come by. We talk about music. We know. I kind of know what people are into, but it's not like the mainstream Comic Con crowd. So for me to go to Comic Con with a mini comic about, you know, a '90s boy band in the midst of, you know, the big Marvel movie, the big DC movie, you're not really expecting it to, you don't really know what to expect. Right. Right. And, but people, it was just like, people got what I was going for. They got that. It was, it was just a love letter. It was just a tribute to an era. See, um, I'm the type of person that goes to a con and finds people like you. Like I want to, you know, I want to see like the, the other things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, the the great thing about it is there's so like statistically, there's just so many people there. Like, There's something for everybody, but you might have to like, yeah, folks like ourselves, we're going to have to sort of keep our, keep our eyes extra sharp because it's hard to see. It's hard to find what you're looking for sometimes. But uh, so putting it out there and getting people's reactions from that, I mean, that's where Amanda Meadows, who's the editor of Smooth City, that's where she read the book. um, And she was really the one who said this could be a graphic novel. Yeah which that's like the second time I worked with her when she was running Devastator, this like sort of indie comic anthology publisher. And she's always just fine. There's always just things on my hard drive. And she's just like, yeah, that can actually be a book. And I'm like, nah, nah. <laughs> she's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, well, I'll, I'll try to see what I can do with that. And um, so from that, from that comic con conversation, you know, we built it out into something really special, I think. And it just allowed me to go, really deep into that world and really loaded with you know just so much of that time right it like it fascinates me like in that world with me coming from a music world how like Mm -hmm. you can do a project like that and sort of premiered in a little way years ago and then but still like kind of work on it and have this whole other iteration of it years down the line and it's not thought of as like an old idea. Yeah. It's pretty wild. I mean, this is like, there's definitely a lot of cases where there's a, you know, a graphic novel and it's, it's most people's first time reading it. Um, And then what you didn't know is that that artist was eking out like monthly issues or, you know, they were doing it chapter by chapter because you, Yo, it's an arduous process. I totally yeah. get it because you, if you, if you thrive on like feedback, you're gonna want to like put a little chapters out just to keep you motivated. And if somebody's expecting it, 
I mean, that's the thing, like having a publisher for me, that's served that purpose for me. I need somebody with a deadline. <laughs> I need somebody to get mad at me if I don't do it. <laughs> for real, for real. I feel, I feel <laughs> you know what I'm that. Uh, but um, yeah, that is, that, is a, that is kind of a unique thing to comics, right? Like you're not realizing that what you're reading might, may have taken years or even decades and its first iteration wasn't necessarily like a big paper, you know, perfect bound book that's on your shelf. They can be mini comics. They can be all, they can, they can be a web comic, yeah. right? Something that only existed digitally that comes into a book form. Um, in this case, I wasn't doing a series. It really just started with this one little floppy mini comic. And then I just kind of went straight into developing the graphic novel from there. And then at the same time, like my music mind is like, you know, somebody puts out an album, they promote it, blah, blah, blah. But when the next album comes out, they kind of downplay or don't talk about the previous album. You know, yeah, but yeah, comics, yeah. like, comic creators will still, like, promote their whole, like, catalog of things. You oh. know? <laughs> like, it's like it's all new, you know? Yeah. Well, it's going to be new to somebody. Yeah, it'll be new to somebody. That's... There's sometimes where I've been, you know, you know, I'll buy something at a convention and I'll look at the date on it and it was like four years ago or five years ago. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I didn't know this. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, like, when, like talking to them and blah, 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 and everything. And you're like, oh, this was made six years ago. And like, they're, they're pushing it. They're still pushing it with that much excitement, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you, it's good to stay passionate about it, you know, and then you might have a stack of them in your closet that you still got to get rid of. So. Right, right. <laughs> That's the that's the small publishing life, right? But so. even with them, man, like like even then, I know music artists that have a ton of, you know, back stock of something they put out, and they just forget yeah. about it and let it just sit there, and whatever, yeah. you know. It's it's tough. It's I mean, yeah, I can't I can't speak for anybody but myself, but I know for me, once I've been sitting with an idea for so long, you do think it's it's old to you. You know, right. so I've lived with Smooth City for three years. I am actually still really excited about it. And this, but this how do you stay excited about that? Because like that's another thing. Like going on mine, I'm like, yo, how do these people stay excited about this project? Because I know it's a <laughs> long, crazy process from the start to the finish. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I don't just make comics just to make them. I don't think anybody does. But I mean. I got to really love something to put that kind of right. time into it. Cause you're taking time away from all these other things in your life. So there's a lot of sacrifice that comes with it. Um, but it's things like this right now. Here's the, here's the part of the equation where it's not just in my head anymore. Um, this is now it's out in the world. So now it's, now it's a dialogue. Yeah. Now we're talking. So yeah, now we're talking. Yeah. You got the, you've read the book now. Now that makes me, well, that, that, that terrifies me, but it also excites me because then you're telling me what you're getting from it. And it takes us into all these other, this is, you know, I, I miss the conventions. We're not, we can't do those right now, but what we're, what, what you're giving me, what I'm getting out of this feels very much like a convention experience where somebody picks up your book, they pick up, you know, this music reference or comic reference. And next thing you know, you got like, you got like a new friend because you realize that you guys have been kind of on a similar track Right. See, I already know that if I, you know, if I didn't know you, didn't see this book or anything, and I was at a convention, I walked by, I saw the cover of Smooth City, I would definitely stop because just off the cover, I'd be like, oh, that looks like a bunch of different things are going to pop in my head. 
Yeah. Before I even pick it up, you know, and just because of my interest, I'm going to pick that up. I already know. You're not going to see like a dude in a teal blazer and braided belt on a lot of other comics. It's, like, I, I tried to be very overt and on the cover of what this is. I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, this is either going to be like about some, this is going to be maybe about some hood shit. Those are drug dealers. Those are R&B singers. There's, there's something that like, that I'm interested in in this book. I just know because that's, that's my style right there. Like that's what, okay, cool. that's the type of things I like. So like, I, I know I would at least stop and talk to you about, about, Yo, this man, book. that's great. I, yeah. I hope other people <laughs> stop. I hope other creators let's, I don't know, man, let's, let's, let's keep, keep it going. This is, this is one book. It'd be cool to see other books that touch on other aspects of this culture and other creators and, yeah, man, it's just, this is, this is what makes it fun. It's what keeps me going. Hell yeah. Before we get out of here, you know, do you have any final thoughts, you know, what you want to tell, you know, you know, the public about Smooth City? Oh man, Smooth City is available for pre-order <laughs> at all pre-order places. It is a touching coming of age comedy uh, about friends working together, chasing a dream learning that all that glitters is not platinum, but uh, making it regardless. I, I hope I hope people check it out and have a good time with it. And uh, where can people go online to, you know, follow you, get more information about what you're up to, follow you, you know, read your uh, hip-hop tweets or uh, whatnot? <laughs> Probably the best place for my hip-hop tweets. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point you to Twitter on that one. Twitter's where I am most of the time. Uh, it's Kenny Kyle, uh, K-E-I-L, on Twitter, um, KennyKyle.com. You can see some other work. You can check out some of my other books. And, um, yeah, keep in touch. Hell, yeah. It's been great talking with you, man. Like I said, man, I, already, I, knew, I knew we had a kinship, and yeah. we totally do. I, yeah, I, I feel you. I, I feel like this, this, this will end, but I feel like our conversation has only just begun, so... I'm looking forward to more. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to the Fresh of the Word podcast. Hosted and produced by myself, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. Empowered by Anchor at anchor.fm slash Fresh of the Word. Fresh of the Word theme music provided by Steve O. You can find more of his productions at imsteveo.bandcamp.com. And that's E-Y-E-A-M-S-T. E-V-E-O.bandcamp.com. Fresh of the Word is available on all major streaming platforms. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you want to support Fresh of the Word, please consider pledging via Patreon at patreon.com slash Fresh of the Word. Follow Fresh of the Word on social media on Twitter at Fresh of the Pod, on Instagram at Fresh of the Word Podcast, and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fresh of the Word. For more information about Fresh of the Word and our other podcasts, Breaking Records and Renaissance Soul, and a collection of pop culture articles and reviews, please visit freshofthepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and your support. Goodbye and good night. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.